From the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota, welcome to Inside the Boardroom. I'm Jamie Plusser, Assistant Dean for Marketing and Communications here at the Carlson School. The goal of our podcast is to bring you thoughts, ideas, inspiration, and points of view from business and academic leaders here in Minnesota and beyond. Today's episode features Mike Roman, who is the CEO and Chairman of 3M. He's a University of Minnesota alum and a longtime 3M employee. He's been there over 30 years. If you're not familiar with 3M, it's a $33 billion science-based company headquartered east of St. Paul, Minnesota, and has more than 90,000 employees worldwide. Now, this speech was recorded in March of 2020, and you'll hear some references in Mike's presentation about COVID-19. Here's Mike speaking from the Carlson School's First Tuesday Speaker Series. You know, 40 years ago, I was an undergraduate on this campus, and I did not and could not imagine standing here today. And I say that remembering that my season tickets were right about there, (laughs) old Memorial Stadium. And I actually played racquetball not very far from that, if if you can call those racquetball courts that were in the old Memorial Stadium. So a lot of great memories being on campus. I'm very proud to be back here today. Proud to represent the class of 82, Skyuma, and proud to be here to share with you how 3M is improving lives. And that statement is really maybe the most passionate part of our vision. Our vision is about our technology advancing every company, our products enhancing every home, our innovation improving every life. It resonates deeply for 3Mers. It's what we do every day. We get up every morning ready to advance, enhance, and improve. We take advantage of our technology, our products, and our innovation. And aspirationally, we try to do that for every company, every home, every life. It really drives us with a great sense of purpose. And it helps us focus on delivering on the expectations of our stakeholders. Our stakeholders broadly are shareholders, our customers, our employees, our business partners, and the communities that we're part of. Their expectations are going up all the time. So it's very important that we strive for the aspirations in that, in that vision. And it does give us a sense of purpose on delivering for them. And, and with that, a focus on driving extraordinary performance for each of them. That's fundamental to the big idea that is 3M. And I like to talk about it with this image. This is the big idea that, that has created 3M and will point us at success in the future. It starts with that vision, that aspirational view of where we want to go. It's, it's foundational, is in our, its foundation is in our values. Our values around how we conduct ourselves, our leadership behaviors, and even how we think about our culture and where we want to take it as we move ahead. In between are two important areas that we focus on. Our fundamental strengths, which are really at the heart of what makes us unique among companies. It enables us to create extraordinary value for customers and returns for our shareholders and careers for our employees. It's it's simply what we do to create a 3M as a whole that's greater than the sum of our parts. And we have built the company on, on those fundamental strengths. The priorities that we show there are really what we see we need to do to continue to make this model relevant into the future. It represents the success we built over 117 years, taking it forwards up to us and the focus on those priorities. And so I thought for my talk today, what I would do is 
share a little more about each of those middle areas, the fundamental strengths and, and who we are with those and, and where we go with our priorities. So the fundamental strengths start with technology and manufacturing. They're foundational to how you think about 3M when you think about our innovation. And the fundamental strength of technology is not, you know, great technology at the foundation of our products, it's what we do with that. It's building deep intellectual property, leveraging our research to continue to deepen and broaden that intellectual property. Position us to be able to combine multiple technologies to solve customer problems in many times unarticulated ways. Innovation that really makes a difference, creates new opportunities for us as a company, solves problems that were very difficult to solve for our customers. That carries over into our manufacturing as well. Our manufacturing adds value in everything that we do. It's rooted in technology as well. Our process technology, our capabilities that we have, even more and more digital strengths in our end-to-end -end supply chain and manufacturing. And that makes a big difference in the quality and the performance and the competitiveness of our products. And you can't tell our story, and I've tried to tell our story at this high level, but to really understand it, you have to see it through products. And so here's an example, and Dean Zahir even alluded to. It's what are we doing to help protect people from airborne hazards? The challenge are hazards in the air, and those are many things. It's particulates, it's viruses, what can we do to challenge and, and, and provide solutions? It's what we do with our capabilities to filter those airborne contaminants, and we build a portfolio, a broad portfolio of respiratory solutions for many different kinds of environments. What you see pictured here is the center of attention these days, which is a surgical mask used and the standard in healthcare facilities and operations and something that's in high demand as, as the challenge with the coronavirus is, is putting the focus on our healthcare providers. And you can see a little bit of how we have come to build some of the uniqueness. We bring together multiple technologies. It's not just about a non-woven technology, it's about combining that with systems that provide a complete solution to our customers. Another example is where the automotive industry is going. There's a big trend in automotive around the electrification of the powertrain. It's a lot of focus in the industry these days, and it is a driver of change for sure. The bigger near-term change is maybe the electronification of automobiles. By 2030, it's estimated that about half of the bill of materials value will be electronics in your automobile. It's becoming a mobile device, and displays are front and center. There's more surfaces being turned into displays. It's more critical that they have the ability to present information, integrate with the new systems. And our electronics experience plays very strong here. And we're innovating new solutions, making your entire windscreen a display, taking your rear view mirror, keeping it a mirror, and making it a display at the same time. Many solutions that we can innovate with our films and our digital capabilities. So it's a while the automotive industry and the number of cars being built each year is not growing dramatically year over year, the opportunity when you have innovation demand like this is extraordinary. We see it as a very high growth marketplace for us. Fighting foodborne illnesses is another high growth area for us as a company, and it, it leverages many technologies in 3M. The challenge of minimizing the risk of those foodborne illnesses the challenges of doing that faster and easier and more accurate. Uh, there's a demand for new assays all the time. 
difficult to detect E. coli bugs is one of the examples that we've just introduced new capabilities around. And so our 3M Petri film plates take advantage of fundamental technologies and adhesives and films and extraordinary capabilities that we're building in biosciences. So I'd say another great place for that fundamental strength of technology. And making something that's old new again is often a theme for us. And we see an opportunity in packaging. The current packaging and shipping systems that are used today, often by consumers and small business owners, they, are, they have an opportunity to be more efficient and less waste. And we have now invented a new set of solutions using our films, using our adhesive technologies that are, are easier to use, lower waste, and recyclable as we go forward. So it's an extraordinary space. Another. Uh, opportunity in uh, existing markets for us to leverage that technology. So it helps bring to life a few of examples of how those fundamental strengths start to add up to value across the enterprise. You can see from healthcare to industrial to our consumer kinds of businesses. The other two fundamental strengths, global capabilities and brand, it's more than just having a presence everywhere around the world. It's, it's having the ability to take that 3M value model and, and succeed with it, take it forward into the future. You have to be able to stand up retail businesses and B2B businesses and healthcare businesses everywhere around the world. You have to be able to take new products and innovation into markets you haven't penetrated before. So our global capabilities having the sales and marketing expertise on the ground around the world, having laboratories and manufacturing and supply chain operations around the world positions us to continue to build and grow new businesses. And we have leading brands everywhere we operate. It's a great strength and it, it adds up to every one of our businesses. It's often recognized in our consumer businesses. We're often known for some of our consumer brands, but our brand plays strong across our entire portfolio and it's it's something we invest in and we continue to see as a strength to build on as, as we move into the future. Turning to our priorities, this is where we focus on how do we become a better version of 3M. And I would say adapt to the changes that are happening all around us. Uh, Louise Anderson, our Jennifer Houle scholarship recipient, interviewed me for Facebook before I got up here today. And it was one of the questions she asked me was, What's your advice to new graduates? And I said, leaning into change, embracing change, thinking about it as an opportunity for you. It's gonna be extraordinary all around you. You have to lead into it. We need to embrace change. And it's, these priorities help to focus us on areas that will have the biggest impact. Managing our portfolio has become a very important strategy for us. Everything from how we, how we prioritize where we invest organically, which is our First priority, it's even before dividends, our first priority is to invest organically in our company. R&D and capital for the future. Then we invest in dividends, and then we start to think about other investments. Acquisitions and share repurchases are examples. And so portfolio helps us focus where we prioritize that organic investment, helps us think about where we can acquire companies that will complement what we do with those fundamental strengths. Our transformation journey is really about creating a competitive advantage end-to-end -end in 3M company. We're deploying new capabilities, new ERP, new ecosystem globally for 3M. Largely, we're digitizing 3M end-to-end. -end. We have a table of our supply chain team here today, and they're, they're kind of ground zero. 
for that digitization of what we're doing across the company. And it will continue to be a focus for us as we move ahead. The last two I want to spend maybe a click down on just to share with you a, a couple of uh, insights into what we're doing. The first is innovation, which we, in any story about 3M, it's the heart of our story. How do we continue to make our innovation relevant as we move into the future? I was sharing the story at the table at lunch. I was asked by a reporter recently, a little bit of a snarky edge to him, and said, how can 3M possibly be relevant 50 years from now? You know, the world's going digital. You're a material science company. How can you be relevant? And I said, well, 50, try 20 years. How can we be relevant 20 years from now? It's moving that fast. And part of the answer was, look back 20 years ago. What were we as a company? Who were we as a company? We were overhead projectors. We were the absolute leader in data storage technology, 3M. Quarter-inch cartridge drive was the format for storing your data. We were one of the leaders in film, VHS, you know, Instagram, Insta, Insta, instant cameras. So we were leading in many areas that we are not in anymore. I thought Diana's comments about forgetting some of the things you were is, is very important. As you lead into change, you have to be ready to embrace the new. And so we continue to drive innovation focus to take us forward into the future. So that becomes multi-dimensional. It's where do we go in reinventing businesses we have? How do we move into new areas? How do we think about building new technology platforms? How do we connect with new customers, which is at the heart of where we go with our innovation? So deep aspects of our strategy are there. And nothing we do goes anywhere without people and culture. We, if we don't attract the top talent around the world, our science, our manufacturing capabilities, every one of these priorities doesn't go anywhere. So a focus and a priority around people and culture became kind of a blinding glimpse of the obvious that had to be right there center for us. So thinking about innovation, going beyond the fundamental strengths of technology, a very important part of our culture in innovation is sustainability. Our people, and this isn't a strategy from on top. Our people demand our innovation to be sustainable. It's not innovation if it doesn't offer a sustainability improvement and solution. It's actually required now for us to have that at every one of our new products. It got to a point where we were doing it anyway. We just said, let's make this formal. Let's make sure we're talking about it, challenging ourselves, and thinking about the best way to do it. So every one of our new products comes to market with a tangible sustainability benefit. In our operations, we've had multi-decades of pollution prevention pays. We know the best way to reduce waste in the environment is to get it at the source. And so we focus on that. Going forward, what's pictured here is what came out of our work across the company about where do we want to go aspirationally with sustainability. And no surprise, it's rooted in science. And it's aspirationally science about circular, science about climate, and science about our communities. Science about circular is really interesting to me because it's about dematerializing the world and we're a material science company. But it's really about taking out waste and doing it in, in a way that really supports our customers and, and the stakeholders that, that depend on us. And to give you an example, we have more than 200 manufacturing facilities around the world. We now have more than 30% of those facilities are zero landfill waste, which is an extraordinary accomplishment. 
Our goal is to take all of them to zero landfill waste, but extraordinary progress in, in working towards that. So helping to create that circular economy. Science for Climate is front and center what you'd expect. It's a focus on decarbonizing the world. First in our operations, reducing greenhouse gas emissions that we produce, and we've been doing that successfully for a couple decades, down more than 60% over that time period. And we help our customers as well. We help them with more efficient solutions to their problems. We have reduced tens of millions of tons of carbon in our customers over that same time period. So it's a big focus. It, it goes beyond climate into environment. It's a, as a manufacturer, it needs to be front and center for us. Not just landfill waste, but thinking about air, water, waste, all aspects of our impact on the environment. And it's something we are determined to be a leader, a leader across our markets, a leader across manufacturers, a leader for our communities, and using that science. Thank you. And Science for Community has got multiple dimensions, but it's one of the most energizing spaces for us. It's promoting STEM. It's, we do that all the time across the world, up and down our organization and how we engage. It's science to help promote science. There's a state of science index that we produce. We do a survey every year of 14, across 14 countries. And there are some concerns in those survey results about how people view science. 40% uh, of the respondents to our survey said they don't believe science has had a meaningful impact on their lives. And they were doing the answers on their mobile device. So, maybe a branding opportunity for us in those mobile devices. But more interesting is they think of science as something that can be democratized, that you can make it say whatever you want it to say. And so helping to promote that, helping to be out there, helping to engage. We actually have one of our, our T7s, the top of our technical ladder in the company, who's now our science ambassador, and she's out making a difference in the world around this idea. And it, it goes further, it's how we engage with the community, how we give back to the community, how we think about it. <clears throat> and that's what we do to invest in the community. And we've created partnerships to help advance science and education. We have a great partnership with Nobel Media. Uh, we have local and, and global partnerships that help us advance STEM. We also lend our skills to those in need. We have a program we started three years ago called IMPACT. The first year, we, it was a program we opened up to all three Emmers, volunteer to be part of this. You go out and you get assigned a challenge in a community around the world. We work with partners around the world. Uh, we had 50 positions available. We had over 800 people apply for it in the company. So the next year, we tripled the number of teams and we still had you know, 5X oversubscribed. Starts to sound like our respirator mask demand right now. <laughs> and this last year, we have expanded again. We now have five teams in 14 countries making a difference around the world, using their skills, doing everything from helping to encourage entrepreneurs to helping to work on air and water solutions. And so it's a great way. And, and our employees and, and the benefit for the company is extraordinary. They come back and you hear often it's the greatest development experience they've had, and they benefit greatly from it. So it's been a very powerful, uh, I would say, 
move forward for us in the communities we're part of, but also with our employees. So I'm very proud of what they've done there. And as I said, at the, at the foundation of those values is our culture as well. And we have five elements to our culture. These are strengths that we've had for as long as I've been around 3M. These are powerful elements of our culture, but they also represent aspirational goals. We want to be customer at the, our core. Not some of the time, most of the places, all the time, everywhere. We want to innovate boldly. At the center of our culture is powered by inclusion. In order to win in the world today, you have to be inclusive everywhere. We have to have the most inclusive 3M, create a diverse 3M. It makes us stronger, more creative, more innovative, more successful as a business. As a big company, and I, I appreciated the, the, the answer from Diana around what we term insularity, how you have to break through and and not get too focused on what you do well and what you've always done well. You have to get, for us, more agile. We have to find a way to win with more agility. And then we can't lose sight of unwavering integrity. Our stakeholders are with us because they trust us, and that's an important part of that foundation. And then as we move forward, it's about leading the future. And we've now stepped into, we like this model of going from awareness to allyship to advocacy. We have a leadership conference that we kick off every year with. We bring in 300 of our leaders from around the world and we get aligned around our priorities for the year and I always like to say we come out of there ready to walk through walls. And one of the things we did with everybody this year is we had a half a day workshop about how do we move from being aware and good allies to being advocates and taking action and bringing that deeper into the organization and doing that really in, a, in partnership with all of our employee resource networks. They're, they are the strong leaders inside the company, the strong voice that helps us think broadly around this model. And it was exciting to see the energy and I had many leaders say this was the best workshop we've had at a leadership conference. It really got them pointed at things that they can make a difference with. And, and we see that as we move ahead. And Dean Zahir mentioned I'm a Catalyst CEO for change. We've made very good progress in how we lead for the future in women's leadership. It's important priority and one of the big uh, areas that we focus on as we think about this awareness to allyship, to advocacy. And I thought in honor of that, since it's International Women's Day next Monday, March 9th, I thought in honor of that I would recognize some of the outstanding leaders that are important in my life and in our lives, I would say. And starting with the University of Minnesota. So President Joan Gable is the right leader for us at this time. I've had a chance to engage with her. She's incredible. She is going to be a great leader for us as we move ahead. So I really appreciate her leadership. Dean Zahir, everything she's done leading Carlson School of Management. Uh, for the students, and one of my daughters is a graduate, uh, and, but also for the companies that are partners. I, I, I really like the way you think about that, and, and it's really a very powerful partnership, so I appreciate that. And then we're in the McNamara Center, and, and I'm, I'm part of the University of Minnesota Foundation, Board of Trustees. We have an outstanding CEO. She has led us through mergers, and now is taking us through the most successful campaign we've ever seen, our campaign around Driven. And it will have an impact on generations to come in the University of Minnesota. Kathy Schmittelkoffer, I really appreciate your leadership as well. 
So let's give the university. Today I'm joined too by some outstanding leaders, women in leadership from 3M. I invited a few to join me at our table. I have uh, leaders in, from business, from finance, from HR, from marketing. All big leadership responsibilities in our company. Maybe uh, represented with one of our senior VPs, our, our senior vice president of corporate affairs, Denise Rutherford. Our leadership, these women at 3M are making a difference and they're the ones leading that walk through walls as we, as we start in, in 2020. So thank you for that leadership. One of those leaders from 3M is my assistant, Jennifer Wetzel. She's also here. Jennifer loves to be called out like this. <laughs> Jennifer is an extraordinary leader as well. She leads the CEO office. And there's dimensions to that that you can't appreciate until you come inside her office for a while. But it really does make a big difference in the company. So I really appreciate that personal connection. We have leaders for the future with us today. We have, we have Louise Shu Anderson, who is a I know, recipient of the Jennifer Fool Scholarship, something that's named for the daughter of, of a 3M, and very near and dear to 3M and to my family's uh, priorities as well. And so I, I appreciate having her here to represent one of the leaders for the future. My two daughters are here as well, and they are leaders for the future already. They're charting leadership courses in the world of business and in the world of healthcare. And I couldn't go past them without remembering that they're both U of M graduates and alumni as well. So, Sky Uma, class of 17 too. And then finally, the leader of our family. Um, my wife, uh, my high school sweetheart, my life partner, Karen. Thank you for everything you do to lead us forward as well. So with that, I would just encourage you to remember the leaders, the women in leadership in your lives as we celebrate International Women's Leadership Day next Monday. So with that, I thank you for your kind attention, and I think we still have a little bit of time for questions. So thank you. Just like last time, we have three microphones in the audience, so please raise your hand if you have a question, and we'll come to you. Mike Roman, uh, you talked about people, 40% of the survey not being affected by science. I got the answer for you. Just tell them they know about weather, don't they, because weather's a science. And here <laughs> in Minnesota, we get a lot of it. Um, there's a lot of good things I could say about 3M. Uh, it used to have its own in-house construction or contracting firm and I don't know that it does now, but my neighbor was that. And so there's a lot of people in this community that are affected by 3M uh, people and really don't know it. But I wanted to ask a question today. There's always been safety and hazmat teams there. When the $850 million lawsuit without getting into, into litigation as to really what happened, happened. What, did three, what do you think 3M really learned by that? And I hope it's a good question. It's a, it's a great question, and it's, there are many dimensions to what's at the I would say at the core of that lawsuit and the settlement with the state of Minnesota. It's around legacy products that we manufactured. We actually 
exited many years ago, but it continues to be something that we have to lead into. I, when I talked about sustainability and environmental stewardship, it's about how do we lead forward. And I think your question is right at some of the things that we challenge ourselves with how we lead forward. What are the lessons learned from that? And some of the, some of the very direct lessons over time have been how we change our thinking about our products, our manufacturing, our product stewardship, our environmental stewardship. We're always moving that forward. Something like this you know, really challenges us to set higher expectations for ourselves. And that, I would say, is behind some of those increased expectations from our stakeholders as well. So many lessons across how we, how we, how we develop new products and, and how we manage our operations end to end. So it's a, it'll, it'll continue to be, I think, a long tail of learning for us as well. Thank you. Who else has questions? Tom does down front. Oh, thank you, Robbie. <laughs> Tom asks the best questions at the University of Minnesota Foundation <laughs> Board of Trustees meetings. So I'm ready. I'm ready, Tom. Yeah, you better hold, hold that opinion. <laughs> No, I mean, you're the leader of an incredibly successful, complex, huge organization, worldwide reputation. I'm wondering what that means to you on a personal level. And I ask it thinking, putting myself in your shoes for a moment. So I wake up in the morning and I think, am I really the CEO and chair of this company? And what does that mean to me? So I'm wondering what that means to you. Actually, I wake up at midnight, two, four. <laughs> I, you know, it's, there are words that you use to describe it, and they sound like platitudes, but they're meaningful. I mean, the honor is incredible. You know, to grow up in this company, to have the deep connection that I do with it, to think about it the way I have over my career, it, you know, it is part of it. I would say on the other side of it, I get up every day energized to come to work, to, to be in the mix, to lead forward in this company. We have, we have, extraordinary opportunities. We have challenges that face us. I would say we have people that depend on us really as a, as a company broadly. And so it, it's an honor. It's, I would say, a responsibility, but it's energizing. It's energizing to work with such an incredible group of people and, and really with everything we have. You know, you can get focused on the things that are challenging you. You can get focused on the problem of the day. You step back and you remind yourself of who you are, where you come from, what you have, it's pretty easy to get excited and energized, and that's the way I feel every day. So. Mm -hmm. Good afternoon, Mike. My name is Dan Frecker. Um, I have a question, which is, even before COVID-19, um, there has been a global talent shortage, not just for STEM, but also within manufacturing. With advanced 3M, and with the pressures specifically within 3M healthcare, how are you going about to address that global, global labor talent shortage? Yeah. Well, it, it's, it is a much more competitive marketplace than ever before. And I, it's become very acute more recently as the economies have continued to move forward. And I think uh, we'll see how the changes this year with COVID-19 impacts that as well. But it's been going on for a while. If you look at uh, the, the kinds of talent that we compete for worldwide, we've been in a very competitive marketplace for a long time. You know, I was, I, I'm often asked, what are the things that keep you up at night? And, you know, jokes aside, I sleep pretty well. But 
it's, that's one of the two things that I would say I think a lot about and I, and I am always looking at where do we go next. It's competing for talent around the world and thinking about how to do that. We, we are in a great position. Our brand plays very strong. It, it plays strong here in the Twin Cities. It plays strong globally. It plays strong with millennials, uh, now Gen Z. I, so we start from a good place, and, but it, that's another area that you don't have, you aren't entitled to that for very long. You have to keep moving ahead. So how you invest in, in people, how you invest in recruiting, how you, you know, how you lead change in your company, those are all parts of it. We have to, we have to really continue to position our brand to be relevant with the talent that has choices out there. We, I, it's interesting, I would say one of the places we are challenged regularly is where we manufacture, to really have enough people to be able to scale up and grow and, and really be able to hire in our manufacturing operations around the world. But it, there'll be other places that will be challenged more as we move ahead. It has to be a, a first priority. The other one, by the way, is the digitization of business and what does it mean and you can't fall behind and you gotta get ahead and you gotta be able to leverage it as a competitive advantage. But maybe that was somebody else's question, but that, I didn't wanna leave that. Engineers like symmetry, so I didn't wanna say I have two things and only talk about one of them. So, so, so that exactly was my question. Uh, my question was 3M is known for a strong engineering and uh, for its strong manufacturing culture. How do you bring e-commerce into a company that's really more known for its engineering aspects? It's a, it's a great question, and we have, I would say we have a, an advantage there that's helped us a bit. Uh, but I, just to kind of position part of that value model, what, what really helps that global capabilities, important part of it is we have learned how to be very, very good at multiple go-to-market models. You know, we look from the outside as a diversified conglomerate. You know, many businesses, many markets, many go-to-market models. At the heart of it's that value model, one big idea, unique, we, we're integrated. There are synergies across the company, but it does depend on us to be really good at a retail business, really good at a B2B industrial business through channel, really good at OEM key account businesses where you can shut their lines down, you can shut down customers that have billions of dollars of revenue at stake, and you have to be really good at a healthcare go-to-market model. And so that's one of our areas that we're always looking at is how do we become excellent and competitive with the large peer companies that we have in each of those spaces. We benefited in the e-commerce area because our consumer, our retail business, had to do that first. They had to be out there. They, their channels are migrating to e-commerce over time. And they're moving from bricks and mortar to the ecosystems, the big e-commerce ecosystems. They're not gonna stop there. They're moving into B2B industrial, every part of your company, healthcare too. And so it's a benefit for us to have that retail business leading us forward. We have our CMO for our retail business at the table today, and you can maybe catch her and hear about how that works the best. But it's, it really has been a benefit for us. When I used to lead the industrial business, I, it was like we had a leg up on our competition because we had that. So it, but it, you know, it has to keep going forward and it's changing fast. Today it's the fastest growing area of our go-to-market models. Uh, it's still, you know, a small part, you know, less than 10% of our total revenue. Won't last that way forever and it's gonna move out. So we, we continue to have to grow from where we are. 
Hello. Um, first of all, as a shareholder, I want to say thank you for your dividend. Um, it's a little getting a little harder every day to get any income anymore. Um, I'm also retired. Um, my question has to do with plastics and the world, you know, inundated and with piles of plastic. I'm aware that there is research at the university of Minnesota going on on biodegradable plastics. Is 3M with all your film and packaging, where are you in solving that problem in the world? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great question. I, it's another, I would say, one of the areas of passion for our teams in innovation is how can we, I would say starts with how can we help address the challenges that we face with the plastics in the world that we have? How can we reduce the use of plastics? How do we take that on in our portfolio of businesses? When you make films, you know, how do you think about that differently than ever before? So it's, it is part of our research. It's part of partnership with outside you know, businesses and universities. It's, it is an area. We, we don't produce a lot of plastic products in a consumer world, but we, we create a lot of, uh, of that materials, that class of materials for many other applications. And so thinking about how to innovate and move forward in that space is very important. It's, you know, when I talk about the idea of it's not innovation without sustainability, these are the kinds of examples that really get our teams energized. How do you, how do you solve some of the optical challenges or film challenges without plastics? How do, you, how do you solve some of the adhesive challenges in the world without solvent? And those are things that we think we can lead forward in. So it's a, an area that we are very passionate about. A uh, question back to the coronavirus uh, that people have touched on. Looking inside your crystal ball, do you see opportunities for 3M, short-term, long-term in that space as far as, uh, for example, I've heard N95 masks were designed primarily for clinicians and they have to be professionally fitted. Do you think down the road there'll be a comparable mask that's easier to use possibly and whatever the, N, the next model is, N100 for example? <coughs> when the next iteration of that might be coming out, looking inside <laughs> your crystal ball. Yeah, it's, well, actually, it doesn't take a crystal ball about the next products, but we can't talk about those yet. <laughs> um, no, I, I, would, I would say this is, you know, Ben, we're a place where we're a leader. We're a leader in innovation. We're a leader in setting the standards in respiratory protection broadly. N95 is a particulate mask. It's also in versions of it used in, in the healthcare applications and gives you protection against viruses and, and other, other comparable sized droplets and, and, and particulates or contaminants in the air. So it is an area that's very important to us. There, there is, part of this, it's very important that it fits well. Otherwise, it doesn't provide the protection that you need. So it does become an important part of our designs, it become, making it easier to fit, uh, more universal to fit. Also as part of what we offer as a service to help people make sure that they have good fit with it. So that's. While we are, have tremendous demand on our supply of masks today, all types of masks, we also have tremendous demand on making sure that those are providing the protection that they need to. And innovating around that, uh, we've done that as we moved out around the world. There's much more that we can do, making it easier to use, more, you know, more consistent protection. So it continues to be a big focus of, of those kinds of solutions, N95 and beyond, I would say. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned uh, briefly about the importance of being nimble. Uh, 
Um, I wonder if you could describe how you were able to take a product like masks that have, a, I would imagine, a relatively stable demand, and all of a sudden tenfold or twentyfold um, meet that demand quickly and safely to the market. Yeah, and and it is it is the challenge that we're in the middle of right now. I would say now at the foundation of the strategy around respiratory, and not all of our businesses are like this for sure. This is one of those unique strategies where we have continued to invest in and maintain a capital and a capacity level that exceeded our industrial demand. We made that decision about a decade ago around the SARS and H1N1 uh, X factors and, and crises that we were facing at the time. Because we're a leader in this space, it's not enough for us to have just-in-time manufacturing capacity for our industrial customers. We know when an X factor hits, and it doesn't have to be SARS, H1N1, or coronavirus, it can be, it can be forest fires or hurricanes, and they would tap out the, the capacity of industrial, the industrial base. And so we've added capacity, we've kept a, a cushion. It's not sufficient to meet all the demand today. And, and so there's maybe very difficult to ever have enough spare capacity, but we do have the ability to bring additional capacity online, we have the ability to quickly you know, shift to the products that are in more demand, in this case, healthcare over industrial applications. And we have the ability to, to and, and the willingness, and we've already fast-tracked additional investments so that we are ready wherever this goes. And, and it won't be the last X factor, so it's been a good strategy for it. If we can't do that in every industry, you don't necessarily see these kinds of dynamics, but in healthcare, and I would say in, in particular in respiratory protection, it's one of those areas that we do it. And I, our team has been incredible. Our, we have an emergency response team. They're managing the, the prioritization of where we deliver, and they're managing the decisions about how to adjust capacity, and they're managing the, uh, the, the leadership of that team is managing our strategies for the supply chain going forward. So it's, it's been an incredible response, and, and we'll bring some more capacity online. We'll, and we will continue to you know, do our best to prioritize and get it in the hands of our healthcare, healthcare workers. Hi, thank you for being yep. here. My very good friend works at 3M, and back when we were in college, I was an English major. I work at TPT. She was a biology major, and she's at 3M. Great. And she really lives the spirit of your brand, I have to say, in that quiet scientist way. She's 60. And she feels valued and supported. She feels excited and trained. And you mentioned talent and attracting millennials, but I want to hear your views on really managing a workforce of five generations right now. No, it's, it's, and, and really how you infuse the spirit of the brand in the way that I see in my friend. What techniques and tactics are you all using? Yeah, it's a, I, I, I was the strategic planner for the company, so I'd start a strategy often. I, it is the strategy of our culture to create that kind of environment. It, it's a big part of powered by inclusion at the center. It's being inclusive to all three members. They, they, we want everybody to feel valued. It's been a hallmark of our culture all along. We have to think and, and move with the changes in the world and how to make sure that we continue to be relevant, whether it's your friend or the new hires or the people that we're bringing on in other parts of the world. It's it's. It's really all in focus and all part of what we try to, to energize. We, our, our culture that I laid out there, we, 
introduced that about a year ago and we activated it. And the energy around activating that culture and engaging the broader 3M, 3Mers around the world was really inspiring. And I, I think keeping it front and center has been a big part of that. People feel like not only do they see it but they, and, and that they're part of it, but they can affect it and they can help move it forward. So hopefully your friend is seeing some of that energy continue because she may go someplace else in her career and she's going to want that as, as available there as she has it where she is today. We have one more question. One more question. Hi, Frank Mumford, Greater Twin Cities and I weigh. Um, what do you want to be remembered for? And uh, second question, what's the hardest question you've ever been asked? <laughs> well, that's a tough one. When you, I got it a lot when I came in as CEO. They ask you, what do you want your legacy to be? And you're like, you know, CEO is the, the kind of the right answer usually is, you're going to be remembered for your results. And that's going to be your legacy. And it's more than that. It's what you did to get the most out of the opportunities you had and deliver results. I would say the other part, and, and I, I credit one of our board members, they said, your, what you'll be remembered for as a leader, CEO included, are your results and who you leave behind and where they're positioned. And I, I think that's what I'd like to be remembered for. I'd like to be remembered for good results, but I'd like to be remembered for a foundation that's got us uh, you know, in an extraordinary position for the future and that the investment in people and culture really paid off. And I, I think that'd be pretty good. I'd, I'd move into retirement comfortable that way, so. Okay, well thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for the question. That's our latest episode featuring Mike Roman from 3M. You can find more information about this podcast, including previous episodes, on our website. Just head over to z.umn.edu slash boardroom. I'm Jamie Plusser from the Carlson School. Thanks for listening.